Hello and welcome. You're watching Destination Draft Day. We got Nick Durst and Brian Salsa on here for a Thanksgiving special. We will not be here Friday, so we have a jam-packed episode today. Destination Draft Day. It's a long road, but we'll get you there. Nick, Brian, how you guys doing? We're doing. I'm doing well, and you know, of course, Destination Draft Day brought to you proudly by Bonus Seekers and BonusSeekers.com. Of course, go there. Lots to talk about today. A lot of stuff to bet on this week. And Brian, I think uh, you'll be glued to your TV for the next few days, especially with the weekend with some golf, which I know you'll be locked into. Oh, please. I mean, if you're a, if you're a gambling man or just someone who enjoys uh, taking in a bunch of different sports, I mean, especially football, this is, uh, this is your week. No professional golf this week, but if you like novelty golf, this will be your week. Very, very true, uh, and that, that should be a lot of fun. Uh, what was interesting in the NFL this weekend is that a lot of games, I guess, were maybe wrongly handicapped with, with the favorites and the lines, Brian. But, uh, you know, just looking at some games here, uh, I guess we'll go in reverse. Michael, last night I really thought the Raiders were going to pull it out. Uh, they took the lead, and then it took Mahomes about 40 seconds to get a touchdown in the end zone to Kelsey. Unbelievable. What are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, I went against Mahomes in fantasy, and I was feeling pretty good as he was having, you know, a mediocre week. I had Tyreek Hill, so most of his production was kind of going to Tyreek. He was feeling all good, and then he ends up throwing like 80 yards and a touchdown to Tyreek Hill, or to Travis Kelsey and blew me out of the water. So wasn't loving it in that regard, but – the Chiefs are very good. The Raiders definitely played up to their competition. They had a great game. Derek Carr looked great, but sadly it wasn't enough, and it happens, and now they split the season series. Yeah, don't forget, for a look at the game of football from a coaching, scouting, administrative perspective, go to LandryFootball.com today. From high school, college to the NFL, from recruiting to the NFL draft, true free agency, from pre-game to post-game, film analysis to all the insights, group on players, teams, coaches, and schemes, LandryFootball.com is your source for all things. So whether you're uh, an Ole Miss Rebels fan or you're uh, a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs or anywhere in between, LandryFootball.com has you covered. Thank you for joining, and please help us spread the word as you can catch us on the Chris Landry Twitch channel at www.twitch.tv slash chrislandryfootball, and you can listen to this podcast on your mobile device by signing up for Landry Football's conference call wherever you get your podcast. And I don't want to be all over the place, but got to give Brian a huge pat on the back. Spot on with his picks, uh, especially the one with Ohio State and Indiana. And Indiana, of course, covered the spread there, Brian. So that was one of the, the big games in college football this weekend. Yeah, I mean, uh, credit to Indiana. They uh, they were down by about 28 points sometime in that second quarter, but they um, they really played up to their competition. That game sailed over the total. We were off on some of uh, some of our other picks there. I think we got to give the Northwestern defense a huge amount of credit, or maybe we just take away from the Wisconsin offense because turning the ball over four times in a half is – not exactly what you expect from the Badgers offense um, and uh, might have just swung and missed on Oklahoma State because I think Spencer Rattler was ready to play. Yeah, looking at Oklahoma State really kind of below their chances at really having that playoff opportunity. It was slim to begin with when the Big 12 didn't have an undefeated team to kind of boast up to the committee. But now Oklahoma State blowing it to Oklahoma. Iowa State is the only one-loss team remaining. 
And when you, A, don't have another key team to go against in that conference championship, and B, don't have a conference that's really having as many dominant teams and having more just kind of good teams, it's really hard to make your case. And they already have lost the game, which is going to hurt their case overall. But now it's just the Big 12 keeps falling and falling, and it was already unlikely that they get a team in the playoff commit, in the playoffs already, but now it's it's looking very slim at, at all, and we'll see if Iowa State can even get there. So, yeah, there's no there's no way that Pac-12 is getting it to most likely. Uh, Big 10, Michael, what did you learn for Northwestern? Do you think they can compete with Ohio State? I think what we learned about Northwestern is this is going to be a very strong defense, which we have kind of seen before, but now this is – really their proof of that. Uh, I don't think they're a Big Ten contender, sadly. I think Ohio State will probably have them handled. But as we saw in that Indiana game, you can rattle Ohio State a little bit and get some turnovers. And if you can take advantage of that, then you have a huge opportunity to upset them. And there's arguably no better defense in the Big Ten than Northwestern right now. And if they can generate pressure, get Justin Fields kind of forcing throws like he was against Indiana, then – who knows what could happen, and you only need to win one game against them. You don't have to consistently beat them. Yeah, I just want to give a shout-out to uh, the Hoosiers running back, David Ellis. Uh, this guy uh, used to be a uh, running back, or then he was a receiver, now running back. So look for him in the future of that program. But, Michael, what did you learn about Indiana this weekend? I think this just kind of shows that there's a lot of hope for the future. You look at Michael Penix has a – fantastic career ahead of him at Indiana. He has a lot of great tools. And while he may not be an NFL prospect at the same degree, I think at the same time he offers so much as a college football star that Indiana has to love the guy. There's so many weapons on this offense, and there's a great defense being built in place. Uh, Huge credit to the coaching staff there, and I think Indiana is definitely in for some big years in the future. Wow, Brian, I don't know about you, but I think when it comes to being prepared and known as college football stuff, nobody's better than Michael over here. I mean, we start every single show, uh, every single week. I mean, there's nobody with uh, more information, um, his readiness when it comes to NFL draft uh, information and how guys are going to translate to the next level. I wouldn't rather do a show with anybody else. I know that. And the MLB rules is loving Michael's haircut. So, you know. Glock Lesnar calls Brian and Michael some handsome men. Uh, you guys got the flow going today, but you know who all also Derek Carr has been having it going this season. So Rick wants to know, Brian, should Derek was has Derek Carr proven that he's worth the contract he has? Which, by the way, he's not even close to being the highest paid quarterback in the league anymore. No, not even close. I just uh, I think Derek Carr's been an easy target uh, for some time. But um, we, we, we do have to give them some credit. Uh, they have been able to manufacture a passing game around him, even though they don't have that many weapons in the passing game. Obviously, they have Darren Waller, and they uh, want to pound the rock with Josh Jacobs. But, you know, he really uh, – he's really been efficient. I don't know if he's, uh, you know, lived up to the contract. People can – you know, argue about that. I just think that athletes, especially quarterbacks, are probably going to get paid more than a lot of people think they should. I don't think it's about um, whether or not they're worth it. It's about what the market will bear. The market bared that contract. And, um, you know, he's living up to it right now. I'll tell you that because they almost beat the Chiefs twice and they're having an excellent season. They're still six and four. Right. So, um, you know, all credit to, to Derek Carr because he played really well last night, too. And I think one of the biggest things that we can't overlook is the fact that this guy was 
on track to be one of the great young quarterbacks in the league, had a terrible injury, and then the Raiders kind of fell apart after that. And now as the Raiders are kind of building this team back together, he is starting to come up as well. So maybe he's not this superstar QB, but I think he definitely does enough to get the job done. I think the team really loves him around them. They have a great offensive line. As Brian said, they, they've they kind of put in some decent weapons, but it's not some elite supporting cast yet. So I think uh, what Derek Carr has done so far this season is definitely very impressive, and I think he is worth keeping a hold on to that job, and he's worth the extension in my books. So obviously the Chiefs trying to keep pace with the Steelers, who have approved to 10-0, and the opposite of the Jets, who are now in 10. But as a Jets fan, I mean, how could you not be happy at the prospects of potentially getting Trevor Lawrence as your quarterback? Uh, despite Joe Flacco's best efforts, the Jets lose once again. Uh, but, you know, we can't be too New York-centric here. So, you know, we'll talk about Justin Herbert on Rockman's Rookies of the Week, I'm sure. So moving on to another game, Taysom Hill of the Saints. The guy, they, he comes out. I figured they were going to run the ball a lot. He did actually throw, I think, 18 times or so. And the Saints just beat down to the Falcons. The Falcons, Michael, just looking pathetic all season. And we'll see what they do because they're going to be at the top of the draft and they might move on from Matt Ryan. Yeah, you look at how Taysom Hill played, and it was really just efficient. That's that's the best word for it. I don't think he put together some superstar performance, but he was able to go 13 for 18, I believe, passing. And he, he hit most of his throws, and then he offered a lot on the ground. And that's all they really needed. I think the Saints roster is good enough to where you don't need this superstar quarterback back there slinging the rock and putting up 300 yards. And when Drew Brees does it, it's fine. Obviously, they're not going to complain about it. But looking at this offense and looking at this defense, they were definitely able to handle anything that came at them. And really, Taysom Hill only needed to put up 10 points, put up 24 had some nice rushing touchdowns, had some efficient play in the passing game, and that's enough to do it for the Saints, and they got a big win. For the Falcons, I mean, you kind of wanted to see a better performance just because Raheem Morris has kind of had this team playing a little bit more motivated, and they just come out flat. The offense didn't look good. The defense didn't look good, and there's just little no hope right now if you're an Atlanta Falcons fan. Yeah, and uh, Brian, you know, we talked on Friday about who's the, the who should be the favorite in the NFC. We said, oh, well, without Breeze, maybe we got to worry here. But I don't know. I think maybe the Saints proved, although it is the Falcons, that, hey, with or without Breeze, we're the, we're the team to beat, and we're going to lock up that number one seed. And then from there, of course, you, you, so the Packers lose. Rodgers gets them downfield. They tie the game up with 120 left. He gets the ball, takes it all away. They go to overtime, and Rodgers completes a pass. The receiver fumbles it. They're already in field goal range. The Colts win the game. Uh, so, you know, the Colts, they're in great position now to win the South, which we already assumed they were going to do, uh, but, you know, the Titans win as well. They win over the Ravens, but Colts are ahead of them. Uh, so yeah, I think, uh, Brian Saints, you know, they should still be the favorites, but, uh, you know, the Packers, the ball, you know, they're just inches away from winning that game as well and keeping pace. But what are your thoughts on, you know, what we're seeing out of the NFC? Yeah, everybody at the top of the NFC to this point, and we'll see what Tampa does tonight, but everyone's held serve, right? It began with um, with Seattle on Thursday night, and with and even though the Packers lost, I mean, that's really just, you know, the second half was a little bit discouraging because they had a two-touchdown lead at halftime, but like you said, they had the ball in overtime. Uh, there is a really good chance that if um, – 
they, you know, don't fumble the ball away that Rodgers is going to drive them down the field and they're going to win the game. So they lose the game as a bookkeeping measure, but the way that game ended doesn't really detract me. And I don't think it should for a lot of people away from uh, the Packers being a contender, but let's see what, let's see what Tampa has in store tonight, because if they have a convincing win over Los Angeles, I'm still, just like I said on Friday, going to go with, um, you know, Tampa being the team to beat um, in the NFC. Big game tonight, Rams, Buccaneers. Michael, if the Rams come out and they their defense just dominates so they, they get the win here, does that say more about the Rams or the Buccaneers? I think it has to raise more questions about the Bucs. I think we know that the Rams have great defense. They have an offense that can be either kind of hit or miss game to game. If the Bucs come out and have a great opportunity to beat a good team and they just struggle the entire game, don't get anything going, and they lose – I think it's got to spell some real problems that already are in the front of everyone's minds after seeing the Bucks kind of get blown out by the Saints. So having another really bad struggling game once you go against a good defense like the Rams, it would really just kind of make the Bucks seem like a pretender more than a contender. Interesting. Yeah, I think I think you'd have to say that. And if the Rams win this, this is huge because they're going to keep pace now with the Seahawks. I'll jump ahead of the, the Cardinals to potentially get the – the home game and uh, win the NFC West because none of these teams want to be going to Dallas or Washington or New Jersey or Philadelphia to play their first round game. And we're going to talk about that situation shortly. And of course you got the huge game on Thursday, which is the three and seven Washington football team versus three and seven Dallas Cowboys, the winners in first place, at least until Sunday. So that we'll talk about in a bit, but uh, other, other games here, of note, uh, unfortunately, Michael, Joe Burrow, ACL injury, you got to hope that he come back strong from this because it's not always a guarantee or given that someone, especially at a quarterback position, can recover so easily from an ACL. Uh, what were your thoughts on his rookie season? Uh, obviously, rookie season-wise, he put together some very fine games. He looks to be a great quarterback. I think there are some questions about his overall arm talent, but I think the mental makeup of his game has shined through that he is definitely going to be a QB that sticks around as long as he can stay healthy. But sadly, like we said, the ACL there, he also tore his MCL, and there was structural damage as well that Adam Schefter reported today. So there's definitely some concern for looking forward to the future, but I really just am hoping that Joe Burrow can recover, come back strong next season, and Hopefully there's a little bit more protection on that offensive line for him to help him stay up a little bit more. My prediction is the Bengals sign Ryan Fitzpatrick because they'd be worried about Joe Burrow starting the season. And speaking of Fitzpatrick, it looks like Tua's time is done. And then they, then they, they pull him, they go to Fitzpatrick, but now Tua's going to play again next week, Flores said. So, Brian, what did you think about that one where the Broncos hold the Dolphins offensively? come away with a 20 to 13 win and Tua did not look that good. Yeah, I don't think it's uh, maybe as surprising as it seems on the face of it, because if you think back to that first game that Tua played when the Rams had to travel east, you know, the the you know the Dolphins defense really um, mm-hmm. did a lot of the heavy lifting and Tua hasn't been asked to do too much. Now he hasn't played poorly over the over the three weeks and the Dolphins hadn't lost a game with him, but um, you know, it wasn't like the offense was, uh, you know, moving the ball down the field, like with great effectiveness or anything like that. So it's not that surprising. I think it was a little bit surprising to me that they even started to uh, after the bye when they were actually playing well with Fitzpatrick, you know, before that even happened. So, you know, I don't know if it was to teach him a lesson or to try to kickstart the offense or 
or what, but we're obviously, barring an injury, going to see a lot more of Tua. Yep, he, Flores already said he'll be starting next week. Uh, I'm just, I'm actually just surprised they pulled him. Uh, if they're gonna go back, if they're gonna just end up starting him moving forward, so that's something to keep an eye on. That situation with how they manage Tua. Uh, then Michael, we got to talk real quick about your Patriots. Another loss. They lose to the Texans. If they win that game, five and five, right back in the mix of things. Where do the Patriots go from here with the rest of the season? And where do they go this spring in the draft? You know, it's definitely going to be kind of an audition type of season now going forward. I think they haven't cemented themselves out of playoffs, obviously, but it's very unlikely that they're going to be able to bounce back and make it there. So you're looking at, you know, how does Cam Newton finish this season? Is he the long-term guy or do we let him hit free agency, potentially go to a place like Washington and reunite with Rivera? We look at, Guys like Nikhil Harry, Jacoby Myers, Demir Bird, and all the other weapons in this in this team, and you're looking to see who can be a starter next season or who are you going to have to kind of replace. I think we should start to see more youth come up in the lineup, whether it's guys like Dalton Keene, Devin Asiasi, as long as they're healthy and able to play. You look at the offensive line, they're going to be trying out some new formations, probably seeing what they can do without Joe Thune. On some plays, I mean, you play him when he's available, but at the same time, you try to mix up formation, see what you got. And then on the defensive side of things, getting Josh Yush in there, getting Kyle Duggar more snaps, getting Anthony Jennings more snap, looking at all the young guys on this defense, and you're really trying to see who are your building blocks for the future because right now, not really a uh, great showing for the Patriots. So you got to see what you have for the future to bounce back and be back next year. Yeah, I figure as long as I get Andrew Luck, they'll be in good hands. Imagine if <laughs> the Colts had Andrew Luck right now. Everyone would definitely consider them the favorites, I believe. So Colts' defense has been awesome. Uh, and the Panthers' defense has been pretty solid this season, too. Brian, how bad are the Lions, where the Panthers are one-point favorites in this one. Teddy Bridgewater's out. P.J. Walker, the star of the XFL, former Temple quarterback, reunited with Matt Rule, comes in there, and they blank the Lions 20 to nothing. Uh do you think the Lions should be looking at a quarterback next year in the draft? They're going to be picking really high. And, uh, you know, Stafford, I got to give the guy credit. I thought he'd be hurt by week three. It took till week 10, but he didn't He didn't sit. He's still playing through his injury. But uh, I think at a certain point, uh, you know, you see with all these franchises, when you're picking super high and you don't anticipate you're picking that super high ever again, you got to potentially make the move on uh, and go to another quarterback. But what are your thoughts on – you know, the Panthers, I think Rule's building something great down there, and the Lions with Matt Patricia, who seem to be going in the wrong direction. Yeah, I mean, before they think about the quarterback, they got to think about the coach that's going to coach the quarterback, right? So they have to seriously consider, uh, you know, making a move there. It hasn't worked with Patricia. I think they've had 28 losses in the uh, three years to this point that, that he's been there. It's not pretty. Um, as far as Stafford goes, you know, I know he's not the quintessential 2020 quarterback because he doesn't, he doesn't run around. He's not much of a dual threat. Um, and, you know, he does get injured a lot, but he's such a gamer. And, you know, and I'll give Stafford that, like, I think he's a hugely talented quarterback. If the, you know, with a healthy DeAndre Swift and a healthy Kenny Galladay, I think that offense looks completely different, but we also can't ignore the fact that that team went three for 14 on third down yesterday. And it was just pathetic. You know, they were only down seven, nothing at halftime and they were getting the ball out of the half. It was still a game. And they, um, 
know, every single move they made was miserable. I'll give credit to Matt Rule and P.J. Walker. They played well. But if you're the Lions, a team scoring 20 points on you shouldn't beat you, let alone beat you by 20. So that was hugely pathetic, you know, and I don't you know, really know. You never want to get shut out. I mean, you got no. a goal at least. Never, Even the Jets haven't been shut out. You never want to get shut out. You know, uh, they did. They got shut out by the by the by the Dolphins, twenty-four nothing earlier. Oh, this year, right, but, right. You forgot. Um, I don't think they got a field goal there. Nope. And they might again this this week by the Dolphins. But you know, um, it's 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 really an interesting thing when you look at that game uh, on Thursday with the Texans because up until this past week, you know, the Texans hadn't beat anyone that wasn't named the Jacksonville Jaguars, and and David Johnson's out for the year. They have Duke Johnson instead, and he doesn't do anything. But they still managed to get a win over the Patriots, and now they're playing in Detroit on Thanksgiving, and it's like two teams you can't trust just going. Right. Against each other at twelve thirty, so that's that's an interesting one. I feel like every year, and we're going to talk about this. The Lions game, it means absolutely nothing. It's like two terrible teams, uh, and for some reason, despite the record, the Cowboys game always has major implications. Uh, real quick, before we talk a little Cowboys, but I just wanted to ask Michael. You know, I think we kind of alluded to this last week, but the Titans get the win, the win over the Ravens. I think this eliminates the Ravens from contention realistically for making the playoffs. So how huge of a disappointment is it to go from the number one seed and getting beat by the the Chiefs, Super Bowl champs, to now not even making the playoffs? And, you know, what could they do? Maybe they bring in Jim Harbaugh to be a coordinator or something. Uh, Michigan gets their big win in overtime, even though they should have lost to the Rutgers. Uh, but what, what could Baltimore do to kind of scheme differently moving forward? Here? Or is it just a matter of that – there's enough film out there on Lamar Jackson now that defensive coordinators are able to catch up and figure out ways to stop him. See, I don't think Lamar's the issue. I think when you have an athlete like Lamar, you have a playmaker like Lamar, you're going to be able to succeed. They are on the outside looking in. I think there's still hope for him. I think they can potentially bounce in if the Browns lose a couple of games, and that's really their hope right now. But looking at this roster, I think the biggest thing is getting better weapons to surround Lamar Jackson. Hollywood Brown has sadly not panned out at all. He is fast, extremely fast, but he's not getting any separation. You look at really their best weapon is Mark Andrews, and that's a great tight end to have, but at the same time, you need weapons on the outside that are able to move the ball, and this receiving core just doesn't cut it. And we'll talk about that a little bit when we talk about the Thanksgiving games, but they have a huge game coming up against Pittsburgh, and they are almost in a must-win situation if they want any hopes of making the playoffs. Absolutely. All right. You know, Brian, we'll, we'll talk a little NFC least here. Uh, the, e- the Eagles, they lose to the Browns. <laughs> They're still in first place because of that big tie. Uh, you really can't be too impressed with what you saw from the Browns. Uh, their offense is just stagnant at this point, but they do get the victory. So, hey, Browns are 7-3 for the first time since like 1980. So they're in great position to make the playoffs at this point. Uh, but Eagles lose. Then you have the Cowboys, they win it. The Vikings blow a late lead. Cowboys come down the field and score. So Andy Dalton certainly, certainly makes a difference there. Uh, big upgrade at quarterback. People forget that Andy Dalton has had a lot of success in this league as a starting quarterback. Went to the playoffs many times with the Bengals. And last but not least, the Washington football team, after Burrow goes out, they win 20-19. to 19. Alex Smith leads them to victory. And the NFC East now is very, very tight. And... It can really go. It honestly can go any way at this point. Any any of the four teams can win this. But Brian, your thoughts on the NFC East this weekend and handicapping this division move forward if you had to? 
Oh, handicapping this division feels impossible. I'll put my hand up. I did not think that the Cowboys were going to beat the Vikings in Minnesota. Oh, yeah. I, I still don't think they had any business winning that game. Uh, but I'll give the Cowboys credit. It came down to really fourth and six from the 20-some-odd yard line. They convert. Uh, they get a touchdown, Dalton Schultz, and and, and they win the game. Uh, credit credit to them. A very interesting game on Thursday because even though um, Alex Smith has played pretty well the last couple of weeks, they were really able to lean on Antonio Gibson yesterday. And if they can successfully run the ball, especially against Dallas's um, pretty awful run defense, you know, they are, they're actually getting three points there. And, um, you know, you know, I, I want to say that Washington would actually have a chance to win that game. If Dallas plays the way it did in Minnesota every single week, well, then, I mean, that's the team that wins the division, right? They look a lot more like the team we thought we'd see in the beginning. Uh, the Eagles are, you know, I don't want to pile on Carson Wentz. Uh, he's, a, he's a bit of an easy target, you know, these days, but man, I don't know, man. I, I watch that team and I just, I don't know any, any high pressure situation, any decent team that they play that isn't in their own division. I don't see how you trust them. Um, too many errant throws, too much. Um, you know, they had an injury with Jason Kelsey yesterday. So, you know, Kelsey gets hurt and then, um, and they just, they're just getting beat. Uh, they're getting beat on the line. And then Wentz is making bad throws. And I mean, I, I can't trust the Eagles at all. So, um, you know, we haven't seen the Giants play in some time. So I think the team that you – it's recency bias in reverse. You know, the Giants haven't played in, in the most amount of time. So maybe they're the best team in the division, Nick. I, I have no idea. I would, I'd like to think that either Washington or the Cowboys will maybe go on a little bit of a run here. You know, who knows? That tie is really looming large for the Eagles. The fact that they have one um, is great for them. It probably should have been a win, and they'd be even in better shape. But – um. You know, I don't know. I'm going to look at the team that wins that Dallas and Washington game on Thursday and say, can they go on a run? Who knows? Maybe. I, I, I think on record real quick. I just want to say, I think that week 17 game for Giants versus Cowboys, I think the winner of that is going to win the division and it's going to have a lot of implications. Sunday night for... football, NBC, the battle of the two <laughs> terrible teams. Winner which team game? can go six and ten and make playoffs? So we'll see so, what happens. Conversely here, I think the week 17 game between the Eagles and Washington football team could also determine who's going to win. Because I'm looking at Washington's schedule here. They got to beat the Cowboys, which I think they could do. They're going to lose to the Steelers. Then they got the 49ers, who they could win against. They're going to lose to the Seahawks. Then they got the Panthers and then the Eagles. So to me, that's four games that are winnable. The Giants have about two games that are winnable. The Eagles have three games that are winnable. So Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the best quarterback in the division. I'm gonna go with Alex Smith at this point. Um, but however, you gotta remember if if the if the Washington football team and the Giants tie for the same record, the Giants beat Washington twice, so they're gonna end up getting the the tiebreaker there and winning the division. Uh, but yeah, it's just crazy. And Thursday's gonna have huge implications. And you know, if the Cowboys win. Then for the following 10 days leading up to their next game, we're going to just hear nonstop Cowboys talk and how they turned it around and they're ready to go. They're going to make a run. We'll see. It's going to be hey, a huge game. The Andy Dalton revenge game, guys, on Thursday. So after what happened the last time these two teams played, he got hit. He got knocked out with that concussion. And then he had the COVID diagnosis. So he played really well yesterday. And um, Andy Dalton revenge game. I don't know. I wouldn't want to be on the other side of that. better with Zach Martin back. I'm telling you guys. I think the Cowboys, now they're not, they're not 
a good team or anything, but they're they're all right. And that's that's all you need in the NFC East right now. Yeah, Cowboys, they got Washington. They have a game versus the Ravens. The Ravens are spiraling at this point. They got the Bengals without Joe Burrow, the 49ers, and then they got the Eagles uh, in, in some upcoming games here. So, uh, And then they, fought, they finished with the Giants. So they have a, they have a great chance, too. I, I would think I'd have to put the Giants as the least likely to win the division at this point. Their schedule is just brutal. Uh, and, you know, the Cowboys and Washington certainly imply and that Ty's going to, you know, work wonders for 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 the Eagles. Uh, I said we want to talk about the Jets, but we got to talk about Justin Herbert. So, Michael, let's see if he made Rockman's Rookies of the Week. Oh, you know it, no doubt about it. 37-49, 366 yards and three touchdowns. Justin Herbert, a almost permanent resident on this list. <laughs> he is back again with Rockman's Rookies of the Week, a phenomenal performance by Herbert. And really, there's just – no contention for, from anyone for Rookie of the Year anymore. Now that Burrow is out for the season, it seems like Herbert has this thing locked up. Probably was going to win it anyway, but now pretty much a one-man race, and he puts up a great performance against Brian's Jets. And, you know, as as well as the Jets played to keep it close, Justin Herbert had a phenomenal outing, and this was just a masterpiece by him. At the next spot on this Rockman's Rookies of the Week, we got Antonio Gibson. Brian talked about it a little bit earlier. They were, they were able to really rely on him. 17 touches, 104 yards, and a touchdown in the win against the Bengals. You look at just how much he was able to do, and this is mostly on the ground. Only one touch came in the passing game, which is kind of the biggest question mark about him was he was a receiver in college, and people weren't sure how he's going to translate to being a full-time running back. Obviously, put together a very nice game, and hopefully he can keep that up. The next rookie of the week, Ryan's guy, Mekhi Becton, 31 pass blocking snaps, zero pressures allowed. You look at the Jets last season, and the biggest thing was we need to get offensive line protection. Well, they've got at least one out of the five set in stone now. Mekhi Becton is a beast. He's not only just a pass blocker, he's a run blocker as well, had phenomenal outing. The only time that he really kind of looked out of his element was this matchup where him and Denzel Perryman ran at each other, and Perryman, I don't know, just... Had nothing to lose, so he decided to jump at Becton, and he won the matchup, knocked him down to the ground. But overall, Becton had an outstanding day as a blocker. He looks like the best tackle in this class right now, and for the Jets fans, you got to be excited about this guy. The offensive line is coming together very slowly. You look at Becton's had a great game and has had a great season overall. George Fant has surprised and put together a solid outing to where he can be a long-term piece on that offensive line. Now we got to focus on this interior offensive line to protect, whether it's Trevor Lawrence or someone else, whoever's behind the center has to be protected. So you need to get more focus on that interior offensive line. At the next rookie spot, though, Isaiah Simmons in the Thursday night game, 10 tackles, two of them were for loss and had a sack in this outing. Isaiah Simmons has almost prematurely been labeled as a bust by a lot of people. And the question is just, oh, you know, he's not getting snaps anymore. Is he even good? He got snaps in this game for the Cardinals, and he paid, and he played extremely well. Gets a spot on the Rookies of the Week. Isaiah Simmons, keep an eye out for him. I expect him to just continue to get better as time goes on. Looking at our last Rookie of the Week, two weeks in a row with a rookie kicker making this list. Didn't even have a perfect week as he only went four for five from field goals. But when you get two extra points and the game winner in there as well, Rodrigo Blankenship makes the list and gives the Colts a huge much needed victory over the card or over the Packers. Huge game for Blankenship and huge couple of weeks for rookie kickers 
as this is his second outing on the list. Nick, obviously there is a lot of young talent in this league. We know how much you love Herbert. Brian, we know how much you love Beckton. This class is looking really good week in, week out. We're having so many different guys because of great performances. How much do you think that rookies in this league can really impact the future and what we're seeing? Yeah, I mean, you see, um, you see, I think more guys than ever make uh, maybe make an immediate impact as to where, you know, the, the, I think the old school uh, kind of approach was that uh, whether it was a, a court quarterbacks, especially, you know, it used to be just the exceptions that would come out, start right away and make a huge impact. And, you know, we saw that some of the great quarterbacks now were guys that, you know, whether it was Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers sat behind other good quarterbacks for a couple of years. Well, now they could just step right in and with a, with a good system. And I think that's a big part of it, coaching in the systems. Um, they can be successful right away. And uh, I don't see this uh, ending anytime soon. Um, the NFL, not for long when you're, if you're a seasoned veteran and you're maybe not quite getting the job done and there's a younger guy that can, that can uh, come up behind you in the depth chart. They're not going to wait to put a guy in into a, into a big time role now. And, and you see it all over the field. I mean, and Herbert, just this guy, this guy looks good, Michael. I haven't seen a Herbert uh, caliber, like I guess since Andrew Luck, but even that year he was outshined by Robert Griffin at third. So if you are a Chargers fan, how could you not be so ecstatic right now? Uh, if same thing last year with the Cardinals, you know, you got Kyler Murray. It was like, Oh, should we on from Josh Rosen? Yeah, uh, it worked out big time, and we'll see what Josh Rosen does. I think he's ultimately going to be Tom Brady's backup and then get a starting shot there in Tampa Bay. But it's it's exciting to see a guy like Herbert uh, just come in and own the thing. Uh, now you could see why Dave Gettleman wanted to potentially draft him, uh, but Herbert, of course, started to stay in an extra year and stay in Oregon to play with his brother, and the Giants end up with Daniel Jones. Uh, but a good crop of talent here. Uh, Brian Becton, what are you? What are your thoughts on him? Uh, I remember when he was drafted. My co-host on the You Know I'm Right show texted me, Joe. He sent me a couple of paragraphs about how Becton's a lock for the Hall of Fame. I was like, take it easy, pump the brakes. But uh, I think a lot of Jets fans have liked what they've seen from him this year. Yeah, we won't prep the plaque for Canton just yet, but um, the bus ready. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know it's, uh, I know it's, in, it's interesting because there were four uh, offensive linemen at the top of this draft that we didn't know what order that they would go in. We didn't know who would be left for the Jets at, um, you know, that tenth or eleventh pick, whichever one they had. And um, you know, if you were on Twitter or on social media, you know, you had some fans that were like anybody but Becton, and there were some other people that were like, no, Becton is the guy. I mean, he's an absolute mountain of a man. I think he's even exceeded the expectations of the people who who maybe did want him um uh i guess the one thing would be nobody wants him to develop uh, an injury history i think that he's um you know had a couple nagging things that have gone uh throughout this season that he's been dealing with already but when he's in there he is a he is a wall he is an absolute brick wall i think that um anybody who's a jet fan has to be excited that this guy is going to hopefully be a staple on your offensive line, you know, for the next decade. I mean, um, you know, there's only a couple of things to be happy about this year uh, as someone who even watches a team like the Jets and Makai Becton is right there at the top of the list and then um, followed closely behind with uh, Denzel Mims, who also looks pretty good when we're uh, speaking of rookies. 
Yeah, overall, I think this draft class is definitely promising. And for Jets fans, it's a it's a slow process in the rebuild. But right now, your young pieces are looking good. So hold out hope. We got to get moving, though. This show doesn't have much time, and we got a lot of things to talk about. We're going to talk about a day that's going to have a lot of rookies and a day that's going to have a lot of turkey. Let's talk about the Thanksgiving games. Houston versus Detroit is how we'll kick this thing off. At 1230 Eastern time, we're going to see the Texans take on the Lions. Deshaun Watson gets a huge victory over the New England Patriots. The the Lions are coming off getting blanked by the Panthers. Both teams, maybe not a lot of playoff implications, but a lot of pride on the line. What do you see in this matchup, and who do you think uh, really comes out victorious in this one? Yeah, I mean, uh, before these games this weekend, the Lions were actually slight favorites in this game, and after they get blanked by the Panthers, who don't even have a good defense, now suddenly the Texans are two-point favorites on the road, traveling on a short week, which goes to show the uh, faith that everybody uh, in the odds makers room must have, um, you know, in the Lions. It's 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 incredible. I know we mentioned a little bit before, but no idea what to expect in this game. You know, both teams are banged up. Both teams have lousy defenses, and uh, you know, it's 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 incredible. I mean, I guess at this point, I would expect you know maybe the Texans to keep it going a little bit. Maybe they're a little bit better than that uh, that three and seven record that they have. Um, you know. I don't know. I just think that no nobody can confidently back the Detroit Lions at this stage right now. Yeah, how could you? How could you have any faith in them? Obviously, Michael's going to talk about their team needs, but they are much worse than their record indicates. Uh, I think they're a lot worse talent-wise than four and six Texans. I think that's who I would pick to win this game as well. And you know, it's the same thing every year for the Lions on Thanksgiving. It seems like they come into this game underperforming and they are not the favorites despite being at home and a holiday and a short week. And I think, you know, the Texans now they have some slight momentum coming off their, their big win against the New England Patriots. Looking at the team needs, you look at the Texans and the biggest thing they need is to develop a better pass rush. And whether that comes on the edge or at defensive line, I think we will see the Texans invest in the front seven And on the other side of things, you look at the trenches, the offensive line needs some help. The interior offensive line has so many question marks. Even guys like Max Sharping haven't developed how you would have wanted, and it hurts this team overall. Also, the secondary is going to need some help with some cornerbacks and safeties. And I really believe that the running back position is one that they may want to look at a guy like Aaron Jones and really bring him in so that Deshaun Watson has some additional star power on this offense to kind of depend on. For the other side of things, you look at the Lions, linebacker, edge, defensive line, pretty much the entire defense has some needs in some regard. And then you look at the offensive side of thing, wide receiver is a big one. And then quarterback is now kind of a questioning need because you look at maybe priority-wise it's not as high because you have Stafford. But at the same time, you need to decide, are we really sticking with Stafford when our roster is this far behind? Are we going to wait to kind of provide him with what he needs? Potentially, we could see a guy like Stafford get shipped off to a place maybe like the Indianapolis Colts, maybe a place like the Chicago Bears if they're willing to trade in division, if if the Bears are willing to really sell the house for them. Or maybe they send them off somewhere else, potentially like San Francisco, which we've seen talks about before with guys like Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins. So I think Detroit Lions really have a big question to answer this year of do we keep Stafford and try to make a – quick turnaround or are we going to let Stafford go and really be patient with this, with this rebuilding process? 
for the next game, we got Washington football team versus the Dallas Cowboys in what has major playoff implications, despite the overall wins being less than the game before where there is almost zero Dallas Cowboys come off a big win against Minnesota. Washington comes off a big win against Cincinnati. Really both these teams feel like they have momentum coming into this game. We'll see what happens when a very movable force meets a very movable object. Brian, what do you got in this game? Yeah, this is uh, a game where the Cowboys are a couple points. They have a pretty bad recent history at home on Thanksgiving. Uh, if you care about those trends, they're three-point favorites uh, where it stands now. Um, find it very interesting. You know, both teams are coming off a win. They're playing better. Washington tends to keep games very close, but they obviously got a bit lucky that they were – you know, playing against the Bengals and then Joe Burrow gets hurt. I mean, this team won 20 to nine and dominated. They still only went four for 13 on a third down. But like we mentioned, Antonio Gibson led the way and they ran the ball for 164 yards. If they can kind of jam it down the Cowboys throat a little bit, this is going to be another close game. You know, another thing is that Washington's defense is, you know, they can really get after it. They can really get after the quarterback. I think they have the second most sacks in football. Um, behind the Pittsburgh Steelers with Nick's uh, Giants actually in third, surprisingly. But, um, you know, I, I might change my mind on this by Thursday again. I mean, I want to say that with a full three points, Washington is the play. But um, like I said before, if Dallas plays more like it did yesterday and not the previous, I don't know, nine weeks of the season, then, um, you know, they're capable of beating Washington by 10 points or two touchdowns. It's really which Dallas Cowboys team are you – going to get I think as soon as the expectations rise for them their level of play tends to fall so um, it's really anybody's guess and in a sloppy way it's going to be an extremely interesting game yeah this game I am going to be sporadically checking in on uh, you know throughout the day if I could sneak away to watch because it's a huge game for my Giants Uh, but again we're not biased here. We're not just, you know, these crazy New Yorkers. So just talking about this game, uh, this is a game that both teams need to have. So even a tie would help both of these teams here. Uh, I am going to lean with Washington in this one. Uh, I just think that they are the better team. Uh, and I think now they are settled in and know what they're going to get each week at quarterback. It's going to help them rise to the next level of mediocrity. And, you know, these two teams, more often than not, the Cowboys are playing Washington on Thanksgiving. And uh, I think this is just going to be a scenario where Washington finally clicks it together and they get into full gear here and uh, win this game. And it could potentially set them up for, for a chance to win the NFC East. I think I'm on the opposite side of things. I think Dallas with Andy Dalton back, with Zach Martin back, I think they have all the momentum going into this game, and I think they've proven to be a decent team, and I'll take them in this game. Looking at a team needs perspective, the Washington football team obviously needs a quarterback of the future. Whether Alex Smith is the beginning starter next year or not, I think they need to figure out who is their future at the position. And – Elsewhere on this team, you look at offensive tackle. Left tackle is a huge need for this team. You look at wide receiver. Terry McLaurin seems to be the only real weapon. You have guys like Steve Sims, whatever, but you need to get another weapon in there to really help out whoever is going to be quarterback next year. And then on the defensive side of things, you're looking at the entire secondary needs help. Cornerback and safety both have so many holes. And then linebacker is another position that they could be looking at in this draft. Washington 
really has so many options to fill for this draft. So I look forward to seeing what all they do in terms of filling the roster and how they approach this draft with all the available talent. For Rick, the has Dallas, oh. Rick has Dallas winning the NFC East at 7-9, but he says the Giants can get it down at 6-10. and 10. Interesting. So maybe that Week 17 matchup comes into play big time. I think it will, and it's going to be an extremely interesting game. Looking at the Cowboys side of things, the offensive tackle position is going to be one that I think they need to address. Tyron Smith just hasn't been healthy, and right now with Cam Irving there, the offensive line just hasn't been the same. I look for them to potentially draft someone early and really fill in that offensive line going forward. For other positions, the secondary is another big position of need. Both the cornerback position and the safety spot need some help. Strong safety, more specifically for the Cowboys. The cornerback unit is young, so it's going to be interesting to see how they address the need. I think it'd be smarter to address it via free agency than it would to try to send another rookie in there and try to like really fill the position when they don't have a lot of experience there. So trying to get a veteran on a little bit cheaper of a contract maybe would be the smarter play there. And then the trenches, defensive line and interior offensive line, both need help as well. You look at the right guard spot for the Cowboys, really need some help with McGovern right now, the starter. We'll see what happens, but I don't think he is necessarily a long-term piece. And then the defensive line, just getting some more help because their edge play has been decent, but the defensive line play has just been a little bit questionable. And then for the last game on Thanksgiving, Ravens, Steelers, Six and four Ravens now fighting desperately to get back into that playoff picture versus the undefeated Steelers. The Steelers have seemed to have Lamar's number in the past, whether it's this season or the year before. Lamar just hasn't performed to the same degree. Now, though, his back against the wall. Lamar's in for a huge test, and we'll see if he is able to meet expectations. Brian, give us a little bit of analysis of the game. Tell us about the spread and how you feel about it. Yeah, uh, the Steelers are three-point favorites in this game. And, um, look, you are just saying that Baltimore's backs are against the wall. I mean, they're going to throw everything in the kitchen sink at, you know, at Pittsburgh, and that would really bode well uh, for backing them. But there is a couple of things that I think work against them here, and it's not just, you know, Pittsburgh being, you know, top five in scoring offense and defense, you know, in the NFL, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's the weather. And I think that um, we've seen when inclement weather comes and we and Lamar Jackson is forced to throw the ball, you know, things get a little bit more difficult. Um, and another thing is the way the Steelers game plan, you know, the Steelers are willing to um, plan their, make their, build their game plan really around what other teams uh, do poorly. We've seen it each of the last two weeks. I mean, granted, it was the Bengals and the Jaguars. Those teams have terrible pass defenses. And what did Ben do? He, he, you know, completed, I think, at least four receptions to like five different guys. Shout out Deontay Johnson. He got 16 targets and 12 catches. But, um, you know, the Ravens are actually really good pass defense. So the Steelers actually want to run the ball in this game. And with the weather, that's going to play right into their hands. Um, you know, so I really I would be looking Baltimore, but you consider a couple other factors and uh, really the way that both teams have been playing as of late. And I, I really have to go with the Steelers in a game that I think will be very close. But my best bet for this game would be the under because of that weather, even though we're seeing the two best teams in terms of quality of the six on Thursday. Uh, this might have the fewest points of any of the three games. So I actually like that under 46 for uh, Baltimore and Pittsburgh a lot. Yeah. How could you? uh how could you not pick the Steelers in here? They're, they're rolling, no doubt about it. Uh, Rick says Lamar is being challenged to throw more than before. He seems to have issues doing that this year. 
Perhaps I, I believe I believe you're right there, uh, Brian. Though for any of these games or any of the college football games we're going to talk about next, um, other than your great articles for in the zone.io, where can everybody go to try to make some money this week? Yeah, if they're looking for a sports book to wager at, you know, bonusseeker.com has all the promotions that they're looking for. If you're, um, you know, trying to pick what sports book's best for you, maybe what which ones have the best bonuses, best promotions. I know that DraftKings and a couple other ones actually have some great deals for Thanksgiving, can help you um, make some instant profits, put you ahead of the game right away. So definitely visit bonusseeker.com for that. And the one last thing I should mention is Baltimore's offensive line without Marshall Yanda, not the same, not the same. And that's why from a team needs perspective, looking at interior offensive line is a huge one and also getting some wide receiver weapons for Lamar Jackson. I think this could be a position where the Ravens really could entertain a potential trade up to get a guy like Devonta Smith. We've seen him really help out the Alabama offense. And if you put a guy like Devonta Smith in a system where he can be the main guy with Lamar Jackson needing a wide receiver who can get open, create separation, it'd be absolutely huge for him. Other needs to this team, you're looking at more of needs to replace because this roster is so stacked, but there's so much money in it. The edge, defensive line, and cornerback all have great guys. One of the big positions, though, is nose tackle, that defensive line spot. Brandon Williams is a stud and is absolutely a huge part of this defense, and it falls apart without him, but they need a guy to eventually replace him because that cap number is just absolutely huge. On the other side, for the Steelers, you're looking at offensive tackle, the right tackle spot really needs filled. The left tackle spot, really a positional need of the future. Linebacker, getting a guy next to Devin Bush to really take advantage of this really athletic front seven. Edge could be another need as Bud Dupree continues to not really look like the future at this spot. And then quarterback and running back. QB, obviously a positional need of the future with Big Ben still looking decent. But running back could be a surprise first-round pick here with James Conner not really meeting expectations. And with that, we have to say goodbye to Nick. He has some real-life obligations. So, everyone, wave goodbye to Nick. Nick, we'll see you on Monday. Have a good Thanksgiving, man. Happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy the games, everybody. Let's go, Washington football team. Come on, Alex Smith. Do this for the rest of the division. To And for, and for their own sanity of all football fans, we don't have to hear about the Cowboys moving forward here. Uh, but, guys, it's been a pleasure. Talk to you next Monday. I got everybody. You're now following Mr. NFL Draft over here, Michael Rockman on Twitter. Follow him. He knows his stuff. And follow, follow Brian as well for all that gambling advice. Two of the best that there is in this industry. Thank you, guys. Enjoy Thanksgiving. And to all the listeners and viewers out there, just wanted to let you know that you can head on over to LandryFootball.com today for a look at the game of football from a coaching, scouting, administrative perspective. Head to the website from high school, college to the NFL, from recruiting to the NFL draft, true free agency, from pregame to postgame film analysis to all the inside scoop on players, teams, coaches, and schemes. LandryFootball.com is your source for all things football. Thank you for joining, and please help us spread the word as you can catch us on the Chris Landry Twitch channel at www.twitch.tv slash chrislandryfootball. And you can listen to this podcast on your old device by signing up for Landry Football's conference call wherever you get your podcast. Oh, we lost him right there. But that is all from Nick. And then me and Brian, we're going to stick around for a little bit longer, talk about this weekend of college football. Again, no Friday episode due to the holidays. Going to be a little bit busy of a time, so we're going to get it 
addressed right now. Brian, we got some big games coming up this weekend. The first one is a Friday night game for Texas versus Iowa State. This is absolutely huge in terms of both teams, really. Texas looking to play themselves into that Big 12 championship. Iowa State looking to hold their lead in the Big 12. And really, this is going to be an interesting matchup because there's so much unknown about both teams, whether we're going to see the strong performances that they've had in the past or the weak ones that we've seen that have kind of made us question them in the first place. What's your analysis of this game? Yeah, I know we don't have a lot of time, but I'll run through it. Awesome matchup. Um, each team's won three games in a row. Obviously, uh, the Cyclones are ahead in the Big 12, and since they've already taken care of Oklahoma, this can effectively seal the deal for them, um, the Big 12. Uh, it won't be easy. Obviously, um, you know Texas followed up that win against Oklahoma State with a bit of a rock fight against um, West Virginia. Um, this probably won't be that. Um, it's going to be up to Sam Ellinger to kind of keep pace with Brock Purdy a bit, which he totally can do. But weather is, is expected to play a major role here, guys. It's a great chance of showers early in the day on Friday. Um, you know, this may come down to just which team makes less mistakes in a sloppy one. Um, you know, Iowa State is playing its best football right now. Texas has just played a lot of close games. And I guess if I have to lean one way, I'd lean, um, you know, I'd lean with the Cyclones. And I also look at the under here from a betting perspective, 59 and a half points um, because of that sloppy weather. Texas is currently favored by a point and a half. But, you know, and I think it's going to be a really close game. And if I was just had to pick, I'm going to go Brock Purdy and the Cyclones, Michael. Yeah, from a NFL draft perspective, players to watch. Sam Ellinger, obviously in for a big game. He needs to have another big game like he had against Oklahoma State to bring Texas into this game and really potentially come away with victory. For Iowa State, you're looking at Brees Hall, the running back. He has put together a phenomenal year, a key piece of this offense. As Brian said, this is going to be a sloppy game with a lot of weather conditions. So Brees Hall is going to get a lot of touches, and he needs to be in for a big outing in order to really take advantage of this opportunity for the Cyclones. And then Joseph Osai, the edge rusher for Texas, hybrid edge linebacker type guy, really could be a phenomenal piece for any defense, and he is going to be a key piece of this unit. We saw him against Tevin Jenkins in that Oklahoma State game, and it was a great matchup. Now he has to have another big game against another great team. For the next game, another Friday matchup, 3.30 Eastern time, Notre Dame versus North Carolina. This is probably the game of the week. And it's surprising whenever we have the Iron Bowl in the same week and we're looking at another game. Notre Dame obviously playing for their lives in playoffs. A loss here could be a huge dent in their resume. North Carolina trying to sneak up and really cause this upset. Huge game, huge outing, some great teams right here. What do you like in this game and what's the spread? Yeah, so the Irish are favored by five points right now. It was about seven and a half, but it's come down for UNC. Even, um, you know, this isn't a game for shutdown defenses. If you enjoyed Wisconsin Northwestern, turn away. If you enjoyed Indiana and Ohio State, this one's for you. You know, um, we know what North Carolina is capable of. They've scored 40 points in four straight games, and the last two were over 50. You know, I know you're going to talk about some players, Michael, but Sam Howell, Daz, um, you know, Daz Newsome, Deami Brown, and, you know, their Irish defense really does has its habits handful. With that, uh, this isn't Duke or Wake Forest we're talking about. Uh, Notre Dame's going to get more stops. And the problem for Mac Brown's team is that um, this defense can't stop anyone. They allowed over 400 yards to Virginia, over 500 to Virginia Tech, and over 600 yards to Wake Forest. The Irish are going to pound the rock. They're going to wear them down. And, um, you know, I think that uh, this one sails over the total because UNC will do its part. Total's around 64 and a half. But I can't help but seeing the Irish, you know, pull this one out by at least a touchdown. 
Looking at a players to watch from an NFL draft perspective, Javante Williams is a huge one. He has really risen up draft boards. We talked about him last episode. He is a phenomenal running back and really can make plays at any time he gets the ball. Him and Michael Carter share that backfield and both create so much play opportunities. You look at the Notre Dame offensive line, whether you're talking about Liam Eikenberg or Robert Hainsey, this offensive line is going to be in for a big day. There's a lot of talent on this North Carolina defense, even though they haven't really produced, but they're still going to generate a lot of pressure. So you got to have a big game from the offensive line, and there's no more focus on the offensive line than guys like Eichenberg, Kramer, and Hainsey. And then for the North Carolina defense, you look at Chaz Surratt. He is going to have to play a big part, whether it's in coverage, covering guys like Michael Meyer, or you're covering trying to slow down Ian Book and his scrambling ability, or you're trying to stop the run game of Notre Dame that has been super strong this season. And really, Chaz Surratt is going to have his work cut out for him. He needs to really show out and have his big signature game for NFL scouts to evaluate. And now we get to the Iron Bowl a little bit earlier this year than expected due to COVID-19, but it's going to be a big one. Alabama versus Auburn. This one's on Saturday, 3.30 Eastern time. Should be a huge game. Alabama, the number one team in the nation. Auburn has... Had some slip-ups this season, but it's still a very good team. Brian, what do you like in this game, and what do you think will happen? Yeah, massive spread. Alabama's given 23.5 points. Um, you know, this might be a bit flawed, but if you do the simple math, uh, Georgia beat Auburn by 21. Alabama beat Georgia by 17. So uh, then Alabama can definitely beat Auburn by 24. You know, I know it's not quite that simple, and the Tigers were in Athens for uh, that 21-point loss, but sometimes it's worth it just not to overthink things. I think Auburn's defense can be compared to Georgia's a little bit, but Alabama put up 41 on them, and I think it's tough to back the Tigers with confidence, even at the huge number. Um because Auburn's offense really struggled against Georgia, and it's not going to keep up with Alabama. Over 60.5 points, I think there's just going to be, um, you know, Bama scored 38 or more in every game this year, Michael, and it's going to continue. Yeah, I agree 100%. You're looking at Najee Harris as a player to watch. Obviously, the playmaker at running back with Mac Jones, obviously being a big part of that offense as well. Another player to watch is Seth Williams, who has kind of disappeared in the big games, going against some great corners for the Alabama secondary. He needs to have a big game to really showcase himself, similar to Surratt. He needs to really have his performance that puts him over the top 10 NFL draft scouts. And then Dylan Moses, who has struggled this year as well, needs to have a big game for Auburn and really slow down this offense. He is going to be needing to read the plays better and put together some better coverage to really cement himself as a higher-up prospect than we've currently seen so far this season. Brian, it's been an excellent show. Everyone in the comment section, we thank you so much. Sorry we couldn't get to all the comments. We really appreciate all the interaction that we get. And have a great Thanksgiving for everyone. This is Destination Draft Day. It's a long road, but we'll get you there. Stay safe this holiday season. Peace.